0: Y'all never had the chance to meet my dad. My dad was a great guy. And uh, he was a great guy who spent a good portion of his post-conversion life trying to make up for lost time. My dad came to faith um, later in life, and um, he had lots of questions that he wanted to get answers to. Questions he didn't even know he had until he met Jesus, right? That happens. Um, But one particular question Rose to the surface for him one day when he was uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer. And um, that question actually rises from the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at today. And it had to do, it has to do with the resurrection. My dad was contemplating when he knew that his death was imminent about being cremated. So one day when I was visiting, he, he said, uh, Craig, um, I'm thinking about being cremated and I'm wondering if that's an okay thing to do. I mean, because I've read in the scripture that, that um, we will be resurrected, right? And he said, if I'm cremated, will I even have a body to be resurrected too? And I assured him that the God of the universe, right? The God that created the universe has the ability to raise up his body, whether it's in a box or in a casket. At the day of the resurrection, don't worry about it, dad. And he accepted that pretty Pretty, uh, he just wanted to be sure, right? It was that question, however, that led to a variety of other questions that I'm going to guess many of you have asked in your life about the resurrection. At the resurrection, what will our bodies look like, right? Will I look like this? You know, many of us are thinking, I'm hoping not. We've, we've teased it at first service. Lisa's saying at the resurrection, I want to be 5'10 and blonde, right? That's what she says. I don't know if that's the way it works, Lise, but that's... So today, as we continue our study of uh, 1 Corinthians, we're going to answer some of those questions. We're going to attempt to answer some of those questions. Um, and you'll notice, if you've read ahead at all, that there are some other questions that arise out of this chapter as well. Some that are just as interesting, um, some that are, have caused, caused some folks some consternation over the years. Um, kind of weird questions, actually, that arise out of this chapter. So now you're thinking, oh, I've got to read, right? So if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15. Um, that's, if you're using one of the, the church Bibles, that's on page 1143. And as we do every week, as you're taking a moment to look that up, and I really want to make sure that you do that today because that, those weird questions or stuff, you want to see that, and you want to read them in context, all right? So find 1 Corinthians 15 in your Bible. And as you're doing that, I'm going to give you just a quick synopsis of some of the things Billy said last week from the first part of the chapter that will lay a foundation for the rest of it. If you were here last week, you will remember that um, the portion of 1 Corinthians 15 that Billy emphasized last week was to give us the biblical foundation for um, something called grace, which is a fundamental Christian theology. And of course, we know that grace is a free gift from God. The gift of favor, God's favor given to you. Not because you're all that. Not because because you're perfect or because you're cute. God gives you grace or this His favor because God is good. Somebody say amen. amen. God is good. All the time. God is good. Amen. So it's upon that that biblical foundation, that biblical theology called grace, that Paul introduces another fundamental Christian theology that has to do with the resurrection. We alluded to that a moment ago. Now, before we jump in, I'm going to say something. I'm gonna. I want to uh, lay this. Foundation. this basic foundation out there for you before we even get started because some people don't connect the dots here, but I want you to. When we're talking about the resurrection, everyone, whether you believe it or not, everyone will be resurrected at the last day. People that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior shall be resurrected unto glory, to God's glory. And those who have rejected the salvation of Jesus Christ shall be resurrected too. But not to God's glory, but to, be, to stand before the judgment seat. And they will, you will, they will be judged according to their own merits. And as I mentioned at first service, I'm going to say if anybody is contemplating that avenue of resurrection, don't do it because God's standard in that day of judgment will be perfection. And you ain't perfect. You hear me? So, you got two options. Everybody's going to be resurrected, and you have the option of being judged according to your own merits, or you have the option of going to glory because of Jesus' merits. One is a much better choice, all right? So, with that established, the ironic thing is that um, there were people in the Corinthian church who did not believe in the resurrection. And Paul's going, what are you doing? Don't you understand? Just as grace is one of those fundamental truths of Christianity, the resurrection is a fundamental truth. Christianity and the resurrection go hand in glove. You can't really have one without the other. That's how tight they are. But there were people... Now, where did that come from? Well, let's take just a moment to consider that. There, if you've, I didn't grow up going to church, but when I started reading the Gospels, what I soon found out that there was, there was two groups of people in, um, that talked about in the Gospels, the Jewish leaders, um, back in the day. There was a group called Pharisees and a group called Sadducees. Do you remember reading about that in the Gospel stories? Well, we're going to focus on the Sadducees. The, the Sadducees were a group of people who um, gave more authority to the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch than they did to any of the other writings. And it was their belief that the first five books of the Bible don't, don't talk about eternal life. Thus, this is all we've got. It was their belief that you live the life that you have to live on this earth, and then it's over with. You live, and then you die, and that's it. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in eternal life. Well, apparently, some people who espoused to that belief had become Christians, and they were a part of the Corinthian church. And Paul is going, come on, guys! Now, admittedly, Paul was a Pharisee. He came into the Christian faith from being a Pharisee who believed in eternal life. But he's going... I'm glad that you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've got to, get, you've got to come to grips with this. If Christ hadn't, didn't raise from the dead, if there isn't something into eternity, the whole Christian faith falls apart. The two have to go together. So he, he uses chapter 15 to kind of support that theological premise. Now, this is where I want you to look at verse 29. Got your Bibles? I want to make sure... Because that you everybody has your Bibles out. I, because my guess is that it's been a long while since you read this passage. Maybe you've never read this passage because you just skimmed over it because it's so weird. Verse 29. 1 Corinthians 15, 29. The Apostle Paul, in an attempt, to, listen to the gotta understand the context again, right? In an attempt to demonstrate the inconsistency of this group, because apparently there were some folks the people who, who didn't believe in the eternal life were doing this. He said, Otherwise, why would you baptize people on behalf of the dead if there wasn't a resurrection? There are people who have read that verse for the last 2,000 years and thought, What in the world is he talking about? Baptizing people on behalf of the dead? When was the last time Prairie Bible Church, baptize anybody on behalf of the dead. It's in the Bible. Has we ever done that? We've never done that. I've never done that. I'm old too. Been doing this a very long time. Hey, I heard that. <laughs> Is Paul advocating for that in here? And if he's not advocating for it, what in the world does that mean? Most of the time, I'm, I'm 61 years old, never preached on this verse. Because I'm a coward, all right? But it's not as difficult as you think. Look real close, and you remember the context. What is the context, right? The context is Paul's trying to demonstrate for these these new Christians why their belief in no eternal life and Christianity don't go together. He is not advocating for baptizing people in the place of the dead. That's not what he's doing here. He's basically saying, because some of these same people who didn't believe in the resurrection are baptizing people on, on behalf of the dead. And he's saying, why are you doing it? Why, that doesn't even make sense that you would do that. If there's not a resurrection, why would you even bother? So he's not advocating for it. He's just, he's just using it as a demonstration of, of their inconsistencies, their incongruencies of the faith, of their beliefs, or their hypocrisy, really. Because they were more than willing to bring traditions from their past, which really hadn't been thought through very well, in my opinion, and put them into this new faith. Anyway, that makes sense to you? No, we're not going. We are not going to be baptizing people on behalf of the dead here at Prairie Bible anytime soon. I promise you. Okay. But that whole thing, the whole argument, leads us back to the question that my dad rose when he found out that he was dying of cancer. If the resurrection is real, and we believe it's real, they go hand in glove, right? What is my body going to look like when I'm resurrected? Will you know me, Craig? It says right there, look at verse 35. See, they were asking the same questions 2,000 years ago in Corinth that you're asking today. My dad was asking, what's the resurrection going to be like? Will, my bo- will we have the same body? Will it be spiritual or will it be physical? Will people know me or won't people know me? Those are practical questions, right? And if you, as you continue reading on, you'll, you'll discover that it ultimately... Paul's answer is, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like. God does, though. Y- your body's going to be spiritual, but it, it'll be phys- Ron and I were talking before when Jesus rose from the dead, right, that he was physical. They were able to stick their hands, their finger in the nail, but at the same time, he's walking through walls. How does that happen? I don't know how that happens, right? God knows. The same God that created the universe can do whatever God, that God wants to do with your resurrected body. What you can be sure of is that at the resurrection, you will be you. You will be you, and, and I will know you, and you will know me. Um, many years ago, I think back in the 90s, there was a movie that came out, and I'm not advocating you go and watch this movie necessarily. It's not a great movie, but there's a movie that came out called Shallow Howl. and anybody watch it? Oh, don't even raise your hand at all. No, it's all right. Uh, So it was starring Jack Black and Gwyneth Paltrow. And um, there's a scene in that movie. I remember when I watched that that scene, I was thinking, I wonder if that is kind of like what it's going to be in the resurrection. The essence of the movie, if you've never seen it, is that Jack Black is a uh, chauvinist pig, right? And when he, The way he views women is only, you know, their outward appearance, right? And at one point, I don't even remember why or how it happens, but he receives the gift of being able to see people, see who they are in here, rather than what they look like out here, okay? And after receiving this gift, he finds himself attracted to or falling in love with a woman who is very beautiful on the inside, but not s- someone that he would necessarily have been attracted to before receiving the gift. Um, this Gwyneth Paltrow, who doesn't look like Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, go ahead and watch the movie, you'll figure it out. <laughs> so, in his attempt... To try to woo her, he decides, I'm going to start um, doing the things that she does, right? That's what guys do, right? We are totally disingenuous when we're attracted to a woman. <laughs> so he starts doing the things that she would do just so that she would, she'll like him. And one of the, Because she's beautiful on the inside, one of the things that she loves to do is go and, and be with um, children who are in the burn unit at the hospital. She's just a wonderful person. She's a beautiful, gorgeous person. And the scene I want to show you is a scene of Hal when he suddenly recognizes the gift that he had that he had lost. Watch this. Hi, Hal. Hi. Um, how do you know my name? It's me, Caden. haven't come back to see us. Um, well, me and Rosemary have been, uh, having some problems. I, uh, I was really stupid. Oh, uh, well, why don't you go buy her a present and then maybe you can make up? I remember watching that and wondering, is that the way it's going to be? Will, at the resurrection, will it be, this is what people see and not this? When I think about that, and I'm honest, I ask myself the question, is the person that I am today the person that I would like to take into eternity? If I was honest with you, I would tell you, no. Because no one is more aware of my ugliness on the inside than I am. Can Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Here's the good news. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the person that you're going to take into eternity has been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The person that you will take into eternity, the you that will go into eternity, will look like Jesus. It'll still be you. But you will be beautiful because you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. As you come forward this morning to receive communion today, here at Prairie Bible, we, take, we, have, we receive the sacrament of communion typically. We do it different times, different ways, but typically on the last Sunday of the month. and. Today we are going to be receiving the sacrament of communion and this is the question that God impressed upon me to impress upon you. Are you good with the person that you'll be taking into eternity? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be. If you're depending on your own goodness, you shouldn't be. But if you're depending on Jesus as your Lord, it's good. And if you've never done that, if you're not happy with the person that you would take into eternity, you have a chance to change that, right? Today. You can make the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't been, if you have, if you've done that before and you haven't been living for him, start now. All that stuff that you've been doing in your past, or maybe the stuff that you did this morning before you got here, leave it in the past. Offer it to him and say, Lord, I I don't understand how you can put up with someone like me. But if you'll have me, I'll have you. And you know what he's going to say? You bet I'll take you. Because he already did. He died on the cross and rose again on the third day. There is a resurrection. He died on the cross and rose again on the third day before he knew, before you knew that you'd say yes to him. He did it just in the hope that you'd say yes to him. That's how much he loves you.